Proverbs uh, Proverbs 30, and that's not where I'm going to be today. I just I read this on, we'd stopped to get a cup of coffee, and I opened my Bible, and Proverbs 30, 10 says, uh, Accuse not a servant unto his master, at least he curse thee, and thou be found guilty. Uh, verse 11, There is a generation that curseth their father, and doth yeah. not bless their mother. There is a generation that are pure in their own eyes, and yet is not washed from their filthiness. There is a generation, oh, uh, how lofty are their eyes, and their eyelids are lifted up. There is a generation whose uh, teeth are as swords, and their jaw uh, teeth as knives to devour uh, the needy uh, from among men. And uh, there's a generation. And, you know, after the ruling on Friday, you know, it's it's kind of hard to ignore that. Yes, sir. It's kind of hard. You know, I can't come here this morning and not bring it up. Amen. Because it's there. <laughs> Nail it down. And, uh, you know, to be to be real honest with you, when, when we talked, I was coming up here, my message didn't have anything to do with that. Uh, but, you know, Friday morning, that kind of changed. Yes, sir. And the Lord gave me something else. And, 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 and when it really changed for me was not that day when it came across the news, because when it came across the news, I looked at that thing and I said... Well, there it is. The night before, uh, I had uh, dinner with my pastor, and I said to him, I said, probably going to go that way anyway. Yeah. It's a wicked world, wicked hearts, and, and those uh, Supreme Court justices are wicked, and they have wicked hearts. And uh, they, I guarantee you none of them sat down and prayed before they made that decision. None of them sat down and said, Lord, what do you want me to do Amen. here? They didn't go to the Bible. Yep. They didn't look for counsel. They just trusted in their own heart, right. trusted in their own righteousness, <laughs> and they threw that thing out there. But when I got that uh, message, that text come across that said that they had passed that, yeah, it didn't really, it didn't really affect me. I didn't get angry. It didn't, it didn't really, it didn't really bother me. I knew it was kind of going that way. But what happened that night really affected me. And it's when I saw this picture, and I'm going to yeah. see it later on. Is they took the White House. And they lit it up in, uh, in rainbow colors. And the White House, uh, which is a symbol of, of our government, and they lit the whole thing up like a rainbow to honor the decision of the Supreme Court. The White House, the, the symbol of our, of our government. These, uh, the perverts, they've taken this rainbow symbol uh, that God presented to Noah. And uh, they, they, uh, and Bible says, uh, and God said unto Noah, this is a, a token of uh, the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh that is upon the earth. And, and uh, they take this rainbow flag and they stick it in the face of God. And I got me to thinking about uh, uh, Cain. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, when God wanted a sacrifice, he, he didn't want something from the cursed ground. He wanted, uh, he wanted a, a sacrifice, a blood sacrifice like like Abel was going to bring him. And when Cain didn't bring the right sacrifice and God called him out on it, Cain slew Abel and said, there's your blood sacrifice. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's what the homosexuals and this crowd out there are doing today. They take this rainbow flag and they stick it up in God's face and they say, there's your covenant. Wow. And they shine, they, they, shine, they, uh, they, they, they stick that right wow. up in God's face. Folks say, uh, I saw all kinds of messages today. I, I uh, come across the, the internet. It said, uh, 
He's still on the throne. Yeah. And I saw that and I thought, Amen, that's right. But you know what? Hell's still hot. Yeah. There you and go. It cooled off a bit. Amen. And uh, a lot of men are gonna stand in the pulpits this morning and they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna preach defeat. They're going to stand up there and they're going to tell tell their folks how, okay, this is now a law. We need to live among them and we need to win them with love. Yes. Listen, hell's still hot. Amen. That part of that has not changed. Amen. Uh, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Uh, that hasn't changed. Amen. I like that part of that. And I, I'm kind of talking to my boys. I said, you notice in that verse, it says, be not deceived. Yes. That's the first thing that God says to you. Be not deceived. Yes. And then he wants to catch your attention by saying, be not deceived. So that's something he wants you to pick up on right away. The very next thing he said is, God is not mocked. Yes. So he wants you to understand the importance of that. Listen, this whole thing, this, this gay pride, this... This whole perversion, it's filthiness. Come on. And it's, uh, and they put this in, 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 uh, in God's face. Yes. And uh, it won't be long. I believe it won't be long. Yeah, amen, brother. Now, the hands of God, the, the hands of God's judgment, they work slow. Yes. Thank God. Amen. Uh, I got saved when I was 14 years old. We were uh, down in Frankfort, Kentucky. I was in a Methodist church. It was a do nothing, say nothing, believe nothing Methodist church. And they had a, an old uh, old preacher. They called him Reverends. Uh, Reverend so-and-so. I don't remember his name. Uh, he wore a big uh, big black robe, and uh, he looked like a reverend. You know, he, he, he looked better than everybody else. He was a religious man. He had a religious look about him. And I don't remember any of his preaching. I don't remember anything hardly about all of that. But he retired. How you retire as a preacher, brother, I don't know. Amen. But he retired. And uh, they brought in a new guy. And his name was uh, Reverend Hensley. And he was a young guy. And he had a family. And he came in. And for the first time, he, uh, he preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. Death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He preached salvation. The first time, he didn't exactly preach hell. But he preached salvation. And for the first time, I realized that I was lost. Amen. I had not been born again. During an altar call, I went forward and uh, I kneeled down there and uh, I prayed and I asked the Lord. Didn't know a whole lot about what was going on, but I said, Lord, would you save me? I know I'm a sinner. Would you save me? And he did. Amen. And uh, the, uh, we, we didn't stay in that church. In fact, we didn't stay in, in any church. And uh, soon after that, I went to military school in Camp Hill, Alabama. And I was in uh, military school and being away from a family, being away from uh, any kind of structure at all, I was pretty much uh, ran wild. And uh, yeah, even in military school, you kind of ran wild. I got out of military school, and uh, uh, the only thing that made sense to me was to go to the military. Uh, nothing else seemed uh, to be smart decision for me. So I went to the military, and God had other plans for me because I was there about a year, and when I had an accident, and I was in a wheelchair. My life was done. At 19, my life was finished because everything that I had worked up to, I could now no longer do. So I was done. I remember being in the hospital in, in uh, Chicago, Illinois, in, in Heinz VA, and, and uh, this VA hospital, brother, it's like a city. Uh, it's got its own zip code. This place is huge. And uh, I was there, and uh, I remember uh, in intensive care, and I prayed, and I was praying harder than I've ever prayed in my life. And I was praying, please, Lord, please, just 
I'm getting ready to go through surgery. Just let this surgery, let me walk again, Lord. I'll, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll, I'll serve you however you want me to serve you, Lord. I'll just, I'll do whatever it takes. Please just let me walk again. And I just felt peaceful about it. And the Lord said, nope, but I'll go with you Amen. everywhere that you go. Amen. And he has, and, he, and he's, he's taken care of me. He's uh, been so good to me. Uh, he's given me a wife. And when I say he's given me a wife, I, I believe he's provided me a wife. I prayed for a wife, and, and uh, he gave me a wife. Neither one of us was in church at the time. And uh, the, not long after meeting each other, uh, one, one evening I said to her, I said, do you ever pray? Just out of the blue, I asked her, I said, do you ever pray? And she said, yep, I was saved when I was a young girl. Wow. And she told me about being saved in a bus ministry. Thank God for Baptist Amen. churches and bus ministries. And uh, they picked her up and they came and they brought her to church and she got saved. And uh, she didn't stay in church. Her family wasn't in church. It's hard for those bus kids yeah. when their families don't stand. Brother, they can only stay for so long. Yeah. And it's hard on them. And uh, she didn't stay in church and she got out. But the Lord found a way to put two, two sinners together, two, two folks that are just a mess. Amen. And then Amen. And I always tell her, I said, here's the good part. Here's the good part. We had, we had a neighbor move in. Went to a King James 1611 Bible-believing church. <laughs> Come over and knocked on our door and said, hey, you want to go to church? <laughs> I said, no. I said, no, I'm, I'm good with that. My wife said, I'll go. Amen. I said, well, have at it. If that's something you feel like you need, you need that in your life, go on down there. That'll be good. She went. She went for a couple of weeks, and uh, she brought uh, uh, a couple of men wanted to come out and visit me. She told them they could, and they came out, and the pastor came out uh, along with a man named Mike Clemens, uh, who's uh, one of my best friends today in the Lord. And uh, uh, he came out, and he sat at my kitchen table, and, and uh, he was kind to me. They found out I was saved. We talked about that a little bit, and they asked if I had a Bible. I told him I did. I said I had an NIV Bible that uh, had been given to me as a gift. And uh, every now and then I'll open it up and I'll read through it. Mike Clemens looked at me and said, you get anything out of it? I said, get the words on the page. And he started talking to me about the, the King James Bible. And I thought, well, now that's just ridiculous. That's just ridiculous. So I thought, maybe I better go down to that church and find out what they're doing down there. They're... So I went down and, uh, amen, after about two weeks, I... Throughout that <laughs> NIV, and I, I got me a King James, and and uh, and uh, Lord's blessed us with boys, and uh, He's just been good to us. And, and uh, to be here today, to be in a to be in a church, it's a privilege, and it's a, it's an honor to be able to come up here and be with you, brother. It's a, like I said, every time we've gotten a chance to talk, it's it's just been good. Uh, brother Parks come to the we had a banquet at our church, and, and he came and he preached that thing and. And it was a good message, but afterwards he and I got a, a chance to talk and he took some time and, and talked with me. And I was telling him about wanting to get into this nursing home uh, ministry. At the time, uh, I'd been going out to the jail and the jail wasn't for me. I'd been out to the prison and it just wasn't, I didn't have a heart for him the way I knew I should have. I've seen some of the men that, that go out to the jail and out to the prisons and, and they, have a, they have a heart for these men. And, and I wanted to, it just, well, the Lord was dealing with me. I came and we sat and we talked and, and he told me, he, and, and I said, you know, I don't know anything about nursing homes. And I, it's a, he said, just go out there and listen to him. 
just go up there and listen to him. He said, a lot of times that's all they want to do is just have somebody talk to them. And I took that advice, brother. The very first time we went out there, we went out there with the intention of not preaching, but just to listen. Amen. And, and let the Lord lead that thing. And, and he did. And uh, Praise the Lord. Amen. Uh, my message this morning for Sunday school, and, and I'll hurry on this thing, is that it's total Christian warfare. And if you'll turn to Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 6. Nehemiah chapter 6. Uh, I tell you, you, you don't get anywhere in life by yourself. Amen. You know, I know that it was popular here for everybody to, the president had made the comment about you didn't build that and everybody went wild over everything. But I, I got to tell you something. You know, the ministry that we're in and the things that we're doing, there was, there was godly men along the way that if it hadn't been for them, I, I don't know what we've done. See, God Amen. puts God puts godly men in your path. Amen. And uh, one of those godly men was uh, Pastor Lovell. I, I knew nothing about Pastor Lovell other than uh, I'd never met him. And, and uh, Brother Ralph said, hey, you're interested in that kind of ministry. He says, give him a call. I think he's been in the, the nursing home. I called this man up, Pastor Lovell up, and I called him up at his house. And he's, he talks to me for about two or three minutes on the phone. He just cuts me off. He says, hey, you want to you wanna go to the VA hospital? And I said, well, sure, we can get together sometime. He goes, how about right now? <laughs> I said, really? He said, yeah, meet me in about an hour. He says, we'll go, he says, we'll go up to the VA hospital. And he said, we'll walk around. He said, we'll pass out tracks. I said, amen. So we go up there. And I mean, from the time we hit the lobby, he worked the lobby to the floors. I mean, he worked every inch of that hospital all the way down, and, and, and it must have been by design because we ended up down in the cafeteria. <laughs> and uh, we had lunch, and we got to witness to some folks, and I, and I started looking at that thing, and I went, so that's how you do it. You just approach people. You just approach them. And then after you start talking to them, you know what you do? You tell them what Jesus did for you. Yeah. And you find an opening. And you start talking to them. And you hear that. You know what I found out about the, uh, about the nursing home? Man, everybody. It's the, it's the worst day of their life yeah. in there. And you know what tomorrow will be? The worst day of their life. I mean, how do you, how do you go into a nursing home and, 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 and preach hope? If you don't go in there and preach Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah, you turn around. Brother, they're not going to get healed. Yeah. You got 80 and 90, yeah. sometimes 40 and 50-year-old people with, with diseases and that, that have physical problems. Yeah. They're not going to get better. You're turning around, friend. You're right. I mean, unless, they, unless they've been saved, and I, I quit saying saved because everybody's saved, unless yeah. they've received Jesus Christ yes. as their Savior, then they got no hope. Amen. Some of them never getting out of there. Tomorrow will be the worst day of their life. If they live through tomorrow, that day will be the worst yes. day of their life. Amen. Without Jesus Christ, without Jesus Christ, it's nothing. Amen. Amen, preacher. Nehemiah 6. Uh, come down through here and, and uh, you're looking at opposition and uh, ecumen. Uh, ecumenicism and gossip and fear and it's coming all down through here and, and uh, Nehemiah is facing all these things and 
if I can bring a message to you this morning, that the one message I want to bring to you is, 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 is this. And this message is, now is not the time to lay down and quit. Wow. The battle is on. We are, in the, uh, we are in the midst of total Christian warfare, and the alarm should be sound. Uh, Fanny Crosby, in 1880, she wrote a song. I've never heard the song, uh, but I want to read the words to you. The words go, sound the alarm, let the watchman cry. You know who that is, that's your preacher. Sound the alarm, let the watchman cry, up for the day of the Lord is nigh. Who will escape from the wrath to come? Who have a place in the soul's bright home? Sound the alarm, watchman. You know what she's saying? Wow. Preach on, preacher. Yeah. Preach on, preacher. Amen. Sound the alarm, watchman. Sound the alarm, for the Lord will come with a conquering arm, and the host of sin as their ranks advance shall wither and fall at his glance. Mm -mm. I read that, and I went, yeah, that, that screams fight on. Yeah, it does. Fight on. Yeah. Prime Minister Winston Churchill, who is widely regarded as one of the greatest all-time uh, leaders uh, during war of the 20th century, he spoke to the House of Commons uh, of the Parliament of the United Kingdom in, in 1940. He says, even though large tracts of Europe and many old and famous states have fallen or may fall into the grip of the, of the Gestapo and all the odious apparatus of Nazi rule, we shall not flag or fail. Baby. We shall go on to the end. Yes. We shall fight in France. We shall fight on the seas and oceans. We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall defend our island, whatever the cost may be. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. Amen. God is well pleased with godly men willing to fight and never surrender. Yeah. David was willing to fight Goliath. There was no surrender in David. He was fighting. He was fighting for one reason. He says, uh, he's fighting Goliath for with whom thou hast defiled. He was, he was, he was defending God. He was defending God. Amen. Joshua. Joshua was Moses' successor, and uh, uh, he fought and never surrendered. Uh, Jericho, the the walls came tumbling down. He he never gave up on that thing. And of course, God is the God's the hero in that thing. Yes. But he, he never gave up. It's rumored that uh, Winston Churchill, after he made this speech and 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 uh, and all the folks stood and cheered and and they were ready for battle and and they're cheering and they're clapping and and the whole place is going nuts. That Winston Churchill turns to his his aide next to him and he says. We may fight them with the bottoms of broken bottles because that's about all we have left, but we'll fight. That's good. Yeah. Wow. We'll, but we'll fight. Amen. The Bible warns us uh, we are in a constant battle. Ephesians 6, 12 says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And, the, and it's the greatest war that's ever been fought. Yes. It's a struggle for life and death, and be certain that Satan, your experienced adversary. Well, that's good. You understand that? He's experienced. He knows exactly how to take me out of the fight. He knows me better than I know myself. And he knows how to take me out of the fight. And if I rest upon the, on my own heart, if I rest upon my own thinking and my own beliefs or my own pride, he'll have me. 
He'll have me. Mm. Satan is a, an experienced adversary. He's attacking your flesh and, and your soul and your spirit daily. Uh, Galatians 5.17 says, for, uh, for the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. Be certain uh, you're attacked from every direction and every angle this morning. Yes. You know, when I was at yes. the nursing home and we went in there and I, I, I had an experience happen to me about the first or couple weeks that we were there and I went back and I told my preacher and it shook me. I went back and said, Brother Jess, I said, uh, I was out at the nursing home and I said, there's a woman there and she was dying and, and uh, I said, I was by her bedside and I had a hold of her hand and I was praying and I was you know, asking the Lord to be with her and to, to comfort her and to give her something. And I told Brother Jess, I said, and I had the worst thought I ever had in my life. Horrible thought. And Jess said, that's Satan. He's going to attack you. He's going to try to throw you off. Mm -hmm. He wants you to be confused. Listen, all this stuff that's going on today, it's all, it's all Satan's design yes. to keep you from preaching the gospel of Jesus yes. Christ. He would rather have you complaining about gays or out there fighting about... Uh, health care or everything. He wants your mind on something other than the yes. gospel of Jesus Christ. Yes. Listen, I don't I don't like this I don't like this perversion any any more than anybody else. But I I don't want to focus on that. Amen. Brother Mike Clemens uh out street preaching one day had a lady come up to him and she said, You probably hate me. He said, I don't even know you. She said, well, I'm a lesbian. He goes, well, have you ever received Jesus Christ as your Savior? And she goes, well, what do you think about that, that I'm a, a lesbian? He goes, I don't think anything of it. He says, I, I want to know if you've ever been saved. Can I give you a gospel track? He stayed focused on, That's good. on that, brother. That's good. He did not, and she took a track. She took a track. That's good. Be certain that, that you're attacked from every direction. However... Be of good cheer. The battle is the Lord's, brother. Yeah, amen. Romans 13, 1 says, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God, the powers that be ordained of God. The battle is hit. Amen. God is in complete control of this th uh, whole thing. He knew how those courts were going to rule. He saw the whole thing coming down. He knew this before these Supreme Court justices were ever put into power, were ever born. He knew where this thing was going. Yes, he did. And most importantly, uh, he knew how the politicians would react, and he's not caught off guard by any. Amen. Most importantly is that God is on our side. John 1, 12 says, But as many as received him, to them gave he powers to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. This morning we're in the midst of total Christian warfare, and if we are then in a war, then we need to start behaving like soldiers in a war, brother. Amen. And not take for granted what looks like peace in the midst of a conflict. I'm telling you, we, we live in this country where church is for two or three hours on, on Sunday. And in the most minds of Christians, that is the only time that their mind is on God. And even then, it's not even on God. Christians today walk around in the midst of total Christian warfare. And they never even know it. Yeah. They they think they're in peacetime. They think that they think that this is the Cold War. Come on, preacher. Nothing's yep. being 
No, no, no shots are being fired. They're just uh, a good and an evil. Notice a good soldier needs some things, brother. A good soldier needs faithfulness. Amen. A good soldier needs faithfulness. First Corinthians 4, 2 says, uh, Moreover is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Yes. Faithful. Faithfulness. A man needs focus. Romans 8, 5. But God commended his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Man needs focus. You need to remain, remain focused on the gospel of Jesus Christ. And finally, a man needs, uh, a soldier needs fortitude, fortitude, strength. Deuteronomy 31, 6. Be strong and of good courage, fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he is that doeth uh, go with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Amen. You need those things. Faithfulness, focus, and fortitude. That's good. Here in Nehemiah 6, 1. Uh, we shall go on to the end. I, I started looking at that uh, Churchill's uh, 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 speech there and, and putting that thing together. And, and uh, we shall go on to the end. Faithfulness. Uh, Nehemiah 6.1 says, uh, Now it came to pass when Samballot and Tobiah and Geshem and uh, the Arabian and the rest of our enemies heard that I had builded the wall and that there was no breach left therein, though at the time I had gotten set upon the doors upon the gates. Now it came to pass when Samballot and Tobiah and the rest of the armies heard that I had builded the wall, that I had built the wall. Notice here Nehemiah's dedication to finishing the job he started. Uh, he had to get permission from the king. He, he heard about, uh, he, he heard from his brothers the, the condition that Jerusalem was in and, and he wept and he prayed and, and, and God gave him a, a heart for that thing and he had a burden for him. And, and so the first thing he did, he could have jumped on his horse that night and took off and went straight to Jerusalem uh, with that burden. But he didn't. He went, he went to the king. And he, and he told the king what he was going to do. And, and by doing it, and by, by his employer, by, by going and doing it the right way, uh, the, the king allowed him some things. He gave him some uh, uh, material to get those gates built. Along the way, they stopped in the forest, and they, they put together a lumber package to go ahead and take on down in, in there. And uh, uh, he gave him some soldiers to give him some safe passage. He gave him some papers so he could go through some lands and know that he was on a mission from the king. He got down there and he had to evaluate the damage of the of the walls down there in Jerusalem that were broken down. He had to evaluate the damage of the people, brother. They were down there and they were living in apostasy and they were they were a mess. He he had to look at not only the infrastructure of the whole place, he had to look at the folks down there and the condition that they were in. He had to evaluate the damage. He had to counter the attacks from Samballot and Tobiah. He had to feed hungry amongst his people and he had to face their problems. And uh, he was getting them focused back on the task at hand to finish the work. He wanted to have some folks that were going to work down there and do something for the Lord, but he had to take care of them first. He had to kind of build them back up. He needed to get them to repent. He needed to get, their, get them to get their hearts right. He needed to get their families right and get them all focused on, on the task at hand, which was rebuilding this wall. Nehemiah continued on his course to the end. He didn't waver from that. Pastor Jimmy Hood from Columbus, Ohio, many of you might know, uh, he didn't get saved until the age of 38. His, uh, I was reading his testimony. His testimony says, at the age of 36, I had a heart attack. This was due to my many years of drug and alcohol. Uh, at the time of my heart attack, I only weighed 22 pounds and had lost everything and was at the bottom of the barrel. I was physically and spiritually a mess. 
Then one day my children asked me to go to church. Brother, that's, listen, I don't want to cut it off from there, but I sat in church one time, a man up in front of me, and it was on Father's Day, and during the altar call, the man sat up two rows from me, and he cried like no one I've ever heard cry before in my life. Just sobbed. He was saved. He got saved later in life. His adult children were lost. Mm -hmm and wouldn't hear not one word that he had to say. Mm. Yeah, I, God forbid that ever happened. Yeah. Jimmy Hood, his children asked him to go to church. He says, and then uh, I went, but left the church under conviction and was so mad I wanted to punch the preacher. <laughs> I've never wanted to punch the preacher, but I've, I've been mad at him before. He hit on certain things. I didn't like it. I had to go home and get right. Yeah, tell it right. That's it. <laughs> Problem wasn't with the preacher. He said, I accepted Christ as my Savior, and I surrendered to preach a year and a half later, and God gave me a burden to reach those in the same mess that I had been in. Yeah. He said, since 1986, God has allowed us to be in the rescue mission work where we preach the gospel many times a week to drunks, dopers, down-and-outers, dropouts, prostitutes, and anyone who will come and listen. God allowed us to start an independent Baptist church, Amazing Grace Baptist Church, in 1992, and in which uh, the charity mission is a mission of that church. Last year, Brother Hood lost his wife to cancer, and now at the age of 71, he's got congestive heart failure. I tell you about this, uh, this about Pastor Hood. He's going to finish. Yeah. He's going to finish. Amen. And... Uh, you know, I bet in the I bet in the beginning, I bet somebody came to him and said, "Brother, you could do a whole lot better about six blocks up." Come on now, you town it right. Those folks up there, brother, they You're got they right. got some money. Yep. <laughs> you get in with them, they'll start a building program. Yep. You town it right, preacher. You have a couple hundred people there. Nail that one down, hallelujah. Brother Hood, uh, brother Hood heard the and answered the call and has been faithful. Brother Hood has stayed focused on the cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ and, and he showed fortitude in finishing the job that he was called to do. He has the traits of a good, of a good soldier. He's got the traits of a good soldier. Amen. I like, I like the, a soldier that will be obedient, a soldier that will listen and obey. You know, a, a, an army doesn't go too far if you've got 50 folks that are individually thinking and and heading off in yeah. every direction. You tell them right. I'm not talking about getting 50 Bible-believing preachers in a room. They all kind of end up <laughs> They're all headed the same way, brother. Yeah. They're all going the same way. <clears throat> you know, at, uh, focus, that, that focus, finding, finding what the Lord wants for you to do. And the Lord has something for each and every one of us. There was an old man, he's walking down a beach and and up ahead, it was early in the morning, up ahead he sees this, this kid, and the kid's walking along the beach, and he's picking stuff up, and he's throwing it into the waves. And the guy comes running up to him, and, and he says, uh, what you doing? The kid says, well, I got these starfish. They've washed up overnight. He says, I'm throwing them back in the waves. The guy says, you gonna do that throughout this whole beach? The guy says, yeah. He said, this beach goes on for miles. He says, there, there's, there, there's thousands of these starfish. He says, you know, does it really matter? God takes that starfish and flings it out into the water. He says, it did to that one. Yeah. It means something to the folks that get saved. Yeah. People say, well, you can't reach them all. 
Try. Try. Amen. I'd rather I'd rather try and then not be able to than not try at all. Well, that's Amen. good. You win souls for the Lord Jesus Christ through faithfulness and focus and fortitude and trust me, it means something to the souls that you lead to the Lord. You ever you've heard it, you've had the testimony. I told those folks over at the nursing home, I got I got those folks passing out tracks. <laughs> I got this man over there. He he takes those. I'll take him. A, he calls them booklets. I'll take him a stack of these tracks. And and on the days that the, the big days that they have visitations out there, and the holidays where you know the six or seven times a year that the family actually comes to visit the folks, uh, he sits out in the lobby. And as the people come in, he's handing them tracks. And they think that he's just out there passing out stuff. And so they go ahead and take it. And the administration came to him and they said, we want you to quit that. We want you to stop passing that, that stuff out and bothering those people. He said, nope, not going to do it. Praise God. <laughs> I, I told him, I said, Brother Dave, I said, you know the sweetest sound you're going to hear? I said, after you get to meet the Lord Jesus Christ in heaven, I said, after that, I said, the sweetest thing you're going to find is somebody came up and went, Brother, I'm here. I got saved because you handed yeah. me a track. <clears throat> yeah, man. You told me about Jesus Christ. Well, I like that. I like that. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be something if if uh, you go up and you're in heaven and and uh, you, you go into this great big chamber and it's it's nothing but folks coming up to you going, man, you gave me a track. Brother, you gave some money to missions and some missionary led me to the Lord. Yeah. You know, brother, you went door to door. You came knocking. You might not remember. You knocked on my door, and I hid. I, I hid down below the window until you left. But you stuck a track in my door, and after you left, I plucked that track out, and I read that track, and, and I got saved. Yeah. I got saved. Praise the Lord. Amen. It'd be good to hear. Yeah. You know, as equal as happy as you would be for that, I think that you would feel in the other way, opposite. You stand in this great big chamber that's been provided for you and there's no one there. It's just you. God, Jesus goes to prepare a place. And you go in there and you're in that place, but you're just waiting. You never did anything in your whole Christian life to, to affect somebody. What's worse is we, we know about, and I'm getting off track, you know, but being called down to the white throne judgment. I got some folks you need to meet. I got some folks you need to meet. I got to tell you a story, and uh, I didn't get through any of this message. I got to tell you a story. I, I was working as, in a police department with uh, uh, as a dispatcher, and, and uh, there was a man there that was a police officer. His uh, name was Alex Baker, and, and uh, the Lord had put him on my heart. He was he was a mess. The guy was a mess. He really was. And uh, Lord put him on my heart, and I said, "Well, Lord, come on, you know he's." He's on third shift. I'm on first shift. And well, Lord, if I if I ever get a chance to run into him, I'll give him a track. And uh, went to Saturday. Came had to work Saturday and went in there. And there was Alex Baker. He was switched with somebody for the next three weeks and was on first shift. We got out of roll call. And we went into dispatch. And we sat in there and we sat in there for half the day. And the whole day, I kept going. I need to tell this guy. I need, and, and I kept. But I never did. And at the end of the day, I got in the car and I drove home and I wept, brother, because the Lord had called me to preach. He'd been, he'd been dealing with my heart and I 
and he'd give me something to do and I stepped up and, and I completely failed. Mm. I said, Lord, if you give me, if you give me another chance, Lord, I won't let you down. Well, next Saturday, there's Alex. We go in through roll call and after roll call, uh, he follows me right into dispatch because he works third shift and he'd rather sit in there and relax and be up on the road. He's not used to being up early. And the whole day went by and couldn't tell him. I couldn't find the words. I had every excuse in the world that I couldn't. I got in the car and I left and I said, Lord, if you'll just give me one more chance, if you'll just, I, Lord, I won't let you down. A week went by and next Saturday was the last Saturday that he was there and we went into roll call and we sat and I said, as soon as roll call's over, I'm going straight to him. I'm going to say, I need to talk to you and I'm going to let you tell him what I need to tell him. Roll call ended and, and uh, we went out and he follows me into uh, to dispatch and I, I get ready to turn to say something to him. He said, brother, you're never going to, or he didn't say, call me brother. He said, you're never going to, you're never going to figure out what happened to me last night. I said, what? He said, I went to church with Walt Schneider and I got saved. Wow. And I prayed over that thing and I said, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Any good? Yeah. Any good when, when we, he says, hey, give this per person a track and we freeze up and we don't. But somebody else comes along and they're faithful. And they, I mean, we ought to think about those things. And, and, and you know, Brother Eric, Brother Eric uh, was my pastor and he passed away. And Brother Eric used to say, hey, he said, uh, get out to the gas station and pass out tracks. And while you're down there, get gas. He said, hey, go, go to the. Go to the grocery store. When, when you get down to the grocery store, he says, pass out some tracks. He says, oh, and while you're there, pick up some bread. He said, wherever you go, he says, go to witness. And then while you're there, go ahead and do what you need to do. And uh, we need to stay focused and, and uh, we need to have some fortitude about what we do. Uh, Nehemiah 6.2 says, uh, that uh, Samballot and Geshem sent unto me, saying, Come, let us meet together in some one of the villages of the plain of Ono, but they thought to do me mischief. And I sent messengers unto them, saying, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and come down to you? Nehemiah kept his eye on the finishing, uh, finish line. He knew his construction project for the Lord was nearing completion, and he was not about to lose focus. It's the devil's desire to get our eyes off the Lord and focus on something else. This ruling in the Supreme Court could easily be used to distract us. Amen. The gospel of Jesus Christ is too important to let the issues of the day uh, stop the work we do in witnessing and trying to win souls. I'm telling you, you go out there and, and uh, you go door to door, or you uh, go out on the street, somebody is going to come along and they're going to say, what do you think about that gay marriage? Brother, they want to get you on that conversation. They want to get you on anything other than, have you trusted Jesus Christ Amen. as your Savior? Amen. I like to ask those folks out there at the nursing home, I like to say, hey, let me ask you a question, because everybody's saved. You can't ask them if they're saved. Everybody's saved. So I say, hey, let me ask you a question. If you die tonight, you come up out of this old body and you approach heaven and you go up to the, the great big pearly gates and they're closed and God's standing on the other side and he says to you, what did you do to get here? Tell me how I'm going to be able to open the doors for you. Come on. 
unless you say, I received your son, Jesus Christ, those gates aren't open. I don't care what you do. And I try to lay that thing out just so, so plain for them. Uh, try to put it in a, in a way that they can understand it. Listen, we don't need to get out there with this, this lost world and, and start talking about politics. And Listen, we can just go out there and say, hey, let me tell you about the time that Jesus saved my soul. Let me tell you how that thing went about. We don't have to tell them all the complicated issues. We don't have to tell them our past life. You know, we don't have to tell them any of that stuff. In fact, it's best we don't tell them where we come from. Yeah. You know, uh, I told somebody the other day, I said, there's things about me I don't tell my kids. Yeah, amen, preacher. You know, there's things about me I want to forget anyway, yeah. bro. Yeah, amen. It's under the blood, amen. <laughs> it's under the blood. <laughs> A weakness in all human beings, Henry Ford said, is trying to do too many things at once. This, uh, that scatters effort and destroys direction. Boy. One of my biggest weaknesses in, in, uh, in that nursing home ministry, we got out there and, and uh, we went out there the very first time we went to meet with the, the directors out there and we had to wait for an hour because uh, he was busy and I think it was designed that way, make us wait. But uh, he comes out and... I started talking to him, and the fire, I kid you not, the fire alarm goes off. The fire alarm. And it's ringing, and, he's, and, and he goes, go ahead. I can, he said, they're just testing it. He said, go ahead. I started talking. I never stopped. I didn't want to give him a chance to cut me off. So finally, the fire alarm goes off, and he says, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to have service out here. He says, oh, okay, when do you want to do it? I told him we wanted to do it on Thursday nights. So we had a Thursday night service, and we had, we had a pretty good turnout. But I left there, and I was telling my wife, I said, we need more. I said, let's go room to room. Let's go room to room. Let's just go in each and every single room. So on Tuesday night, we go over there for visitation. We're there for about three or four hours, and we go room to room. Wow. Some of them have dementia. Some of them. Some of them say, oh, it's been ages since I've seen you. And when we were here two days ago, you just minister to them. Some are lost. Some are lost with dementia. Brother, it's the saddest thing you've ever seen in your life. You know what I do? I give them the gospel anyway, Amen. and I hope it gets through. Yeah. I, had a, I had a woman, she was a Catholic woman. She was 98 years old. Her name was Ruth, and she talked out of her head. She'd always say, would you pray for me? And I said, I will. And she, she'd always say, I'd like to pray for you the, the prayer of Avita or whatever, huh? Navita, Navita. I'm not even sure what it is. I said, I said, listen, I said, I can give you a prayer right now that you can pray and God will answer. It's a hundred percent guarantee and you don't need anything. And I, and I gave her a plan of salvation and I told her, I said, if you'll, if you'll trust Jesus in your heart, he'll Remember. save you. Yeah. And then she'd look at you and she'd say, now where are you from? She'd go about 10 minutes. He had, he had a, like a 10 minute window and then she'd forget. I hope she's safe. Yeah, amen. There's a lot of them like that. But we started this visitation. After that, I said, I needed a, I need a Bible. I told her, I said, we need Bible study. We need Bible study because we're out here preaching to, to these folks and they're bringing them in left and right. And that's good. They're here and preaching. But I got some that... They have their faculties about them, and, and they can follow along a little bit. We need Bible study. We, we got Bible study on Friday. And then after that, we, I said, you know what? I said, we, we, need, a, we need a bus. Because we can get a little bus, and we can start bringing some of them to church. 
And then we started talking, said, you know, there's some of those folks are just dirt poor. Some of them need clothes. Mm -hmm. and, and at one point I, I, I stopped and I went, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Let's not forget our focus. Our focus is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The, the focus is to, to, to win souls for the Lord. Now that other stuff, listen, the, Satan can come in and he can, he can blind you with humanitarian and, and financial things to where, where he wants you to focus on that. And, and say, brother, we gotta, we gotta clothe some of these people, you know? We gotta clothe them and, and we gotta help them because no one's there to help, we gotta do. But, but it takes focus off of the, of the gospel. I'm not against those things. I don't wanna sound like I am today. I, I want those things. But for me, for me, I need to be out there preaching the gospel. And so I pray and I say, Lord, give me somebody that's interested in that part of it, that wants that part of it. And, and, and uh, we got a couple of folks uh, uh, that go with us and, and thank God for them. And uh, because, you know, but we've got to stay focused. Uh, you got to stay focused on, on what the Lord wants you to do. I'll, I'll finish up here. Um, uh, last one is uh, we, or we shall fight, the, uh, fight in the fields and the streets. And that's fortitude. And uh, Nehemiah 6, 5 and 7, Then Sambalad, the servant unto me like uh, manner, the fifth time with an open letter in his hand, uh, wherein was written, It is reported among the heathen, and uh, Geshemu saith it, that thou and the Jews think to rebel, for which cause thou buildest the wall, that thou mayest be their king according to thy words. Nehemiah, he'd shown courage throughout this whole thing, and uh, uh, he, he had uh, warded off their physical attacks, he, he, but now uh, he was seeing uh, threats emerge in the form of gossip and decima, uh, defamations. Gossip and defamations. In 1980, Hitler's, uh, 18, Hitler's delusional thoughts about Jews led to the making the statement that they were poisoned to his beloved German Reich. The Jews then over the next 28 years would uh, suffer tragically at the hands of a madman who uh, justified his murderous deeds through clever lies, defamations, and gossip. Today, every political group out there, from gay rights to animal rights to environmental rights, uh, use lies and defamations and gossip. They try to drag you into their fight. Uh, they try to bring you down to their level, and they try to distract you and waste your time. And many times we do. Many times we spend so much time battling them yeah. on their terms that we forget that there's a gospel that has, has to be put out there. Sometimes we have to go with blinders on and forget about all this other yeah. stuff. Stick to the gospel. Stick to the truth. Ye must be born again. Ye must be born again. Excludes a lot of people right off the bat. And once they're excluded, I hate to say it, but that's their problem. Once they've been warned, ye must be born again, they know it can't be ye must be born again under my terms or under their terms. Jesus said to Nicodemus, ye must be born again. Don't let the noise get you to sidetracked uh, from winning souls for the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, try to remember to recognize your adversary. Don't socialize with him. Don't socialize with your adversary. Yeah. Uh, don't entertain him. Yeah. Don't entertain him. Uh, don't make excuses for him. I'll finish up with this. My biggest fear over, over this whole thing, over this, this whole uh, Supreme Court thing, is that you're going to have Christian, Bible-believing, King James Bible believing Christians sit in church today and go, well, they've made it legal. You know, 
my little nephew Bobby, he was such a good boy growing up. And, you know, I, I kind of have a hard time believing that God, you know, is again. I, I mean, you know, I've met his, I've met his companion. And that's what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid that we start entertaining that thing. Listen, these churches out here, they're going to fall to this. I guarantee you the Methodist church is falling to this. I think that you'll see Southern Baptist churches fall yeah. into this. And you're going to see churches all over this country go, well, you know, they're people too. Listen, they're souls. They need saved. I believe that. But we need to stay focused on, on giving them the gospel and, and not going into all that. Brothers.